Welcome back to Raven's Recap, where if you're here, you also likely witnessed the unfortunate Monday Night Football game where the Ravens, yet again, were bested by Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid and those defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. We really felt like this was the game that the team would finally turn the corner and be able to get these guys, but it will have to come at a later date. And, you know, this is only the Ravens' first loss in this young season. I don't know if there were a huge amount of positives in this game, but there's certainly a lot to talk, talk discuss, and unpack from this game. Yeah, I think a lot of uh, Ravens fans within Ravens Nation are uh, all kind of feeling the same thing. We're a little, you know, I shouldn't say a little, I should say <laughs> dejected, upset, angry, frustrated, annoyed. I think I felt all these emotions on Monday night. Uh, <laughs> after a few days to, to let it sit, some of them are still there. I got to be honest. But yeah, I mean, you said it, Peter. I mean, you know, we. I think a lot of people thought, a lot of people around the fan base thought that the Ravens kind of had all the pieces in place to be able to uh, make it a little bit more competitive and uh, hopefully come out with a win. And, you know, the, just the way that the loss happened, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people are upset and I think a little bit concerned too, maybe a little bit too much, but what do you think, Alec? What was your raw takeaway? Well, my raw takeaway before I started looking at the fans was like, cool. Um, they lost in the third game of the regular season and on the postseason, they can actually learn something and not go crying and lick their wounds over an off season. This is fine. Uh, then I looked at the fans, and they act like Lamar Jackson literally died. They have spikes out. They are ready to go and get Wink and Roman's heads. Uh, upheaval is at rise. I'm like, what is going on, guys? We lost a game against the Super Bowl champions. Are you kidding me? <laughs> are you kidding? People are going nuts. And I'm like, all right, guys. I hope the bandwagon fans are gone. Good riddance. I hope the real fans are here to like actually look at the game and try to figure out how we can learn and grow. But man, look. Did we just lose home field advantage? Maybe. But guess what? That did us no good last year, and there's no such thing as home field advantage in COVID. Chill out. It's going to be fine. We're either going to win the Super Bowl or you won't, and this game is not going to be what decides it. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, I remember uh, what one of the few positive plays from this game, right? That kickoff return for a touchdown by Devin DuVernay. I had two thoughts on that. One... I actually have it in my notes here. There was a return that he had slightly before that. And I was like, dang, it was a good return. He ran all, all the way up to like the 30 or 40 uh, yard line. And I was like, dang, I hope he continues to get better. And the next time he got the ball, he got the touchdown. He got way better. It was awesome. <laughs> but the second thing I thought of was like, dang, if only there were fans here in the stands. After that happened, the stands would have been electrifying. And it was so frustrating to just see nothing. <laughs> There was no reaction, no turnaround. I, I know the the Ravens just got outplayed, and and the fan reaction of of a positive play like that isn't going to be the one thing that turns the tide. But you just have to think like maybe in another year, in a non COVID year, that it, that would have done something. Yeah, totally. I mean, there was a point where all the momentum has shifted, but the scoreboard hadn't shifted, and I feel like in COVID times, scoreboard is everything. There's no such thing really as momentum. It's really hard to have that um, and bring your own energy, as they've been saying. I, I mean, it, it looks kind of funny, right? Like, it's like granted, there was 250 of their closest family and friends, right? Like, like live with them, etc. But really, there's basically no one. 
it's it's 0.3 percent of the stadium capacity you didn't hear them right <laughs> and like they're all like flexing and screaming out their lungs and there's no one else supporting them it's just kind of weird <laughs> right like it's not it's it's so hard to get amped up and then have like the compound effect of ampage in this environment yeah no i definitely agree with that i mean i don't know what it's like for those players just being out there with no crowd when you've gotten used to, you know, you're going up through college football and then your whole career has been, that's part of, part of the game. You got to wonder, is that, is that messing with their psyche a bit? One of the things that surprised me most about that game, I think was just how it seemed like Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews and Lamar, maybe they weren't, you know, nervous about the Monday night football moment or playing the chiefs, but uh, there were certainly some plays where it, it just seemed like, you know, there were some routine plays that they weren't usually making. Obviously, the drops from Hollywood, the drops from Andrews, and then uh, a couple throws from Lamar where he hit guys a little, a little late, a little behind. That just are very uncharacteristic of this of this team. I mean, those are two guys who made the Pro Bowl last year, and one guy who we we all believe will make the Pro Bowl someday, hopefully this year, but. Yeah, you got you got to wonder if just like there there was something something about the mental aspect of the game from my perspective. Obviously, we can't actually be down there on the sideline and know what the guys are going through. Just seemed off for the Ravens on Monday night. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those situations. Lamar said it felt a lot like the Tennessee game from how they stopped us, but it also felt a lot like the Tennessee game where they tried to get cute, simple things weren't working, drop passes that you don't normally don't see. Just abandoning a run game that was otherwise successful, you know, things that make really no sense. I don't understand really what happens to the Ravens when they play a good opponent. I really want to watch the Seattle Seahawks game and the Patriots game from last year because I'm trying to remember what it's like for the Ravens to play a good team and actually just chill out and play their game. It seems like against big opponents, they try to get like extra cute to great like failure. (laughs) I mean, every time they ran the ball. I tweeted about it. I was telling you guys in chat, like, it was fine. If they ran the ball for four straight downs until stopped, I don't think they would have been stopped. I think they would have scored every time. And I think, like, yeah, it would have taken time off the clock, and maybe it wasn't the best strategy at that point. But, man, it was better than not scoring, right? (laughs) Like, I don't know. The running game was working so well. I was very confused why we went away from it. And Harbs is not talking about it. Right. Like they asked him, like, do you feel like you abandoned it? And it's like, oh, no, we, you know, we did what we wanted to do. And I'm like, that's like such a non-answer. I think you did. <laughs> I mean, you're definitely right about it being a non-answer, but I, you know, I wouldn't expect him to say anything else. I do agree with you, Alec. I think they did abandon the run early. I have a couple of thoughts uh, more on that uh, later that we can get to later. But, you know, I mean, like Peter said too, you know, some of it was off in the mental game of that, you know, the guys just weren't executing when their numbers were called. And, you know, I, I don't think it's entirely on, you know, the run pass like play spread there. I mean, there really is something about the guys just weren't locked in to make the plays that they needed to make, right? I mean, if if they, you know, you know, if Andrews makes a couple of those catches, we get like an extra touchdown or two. Um, if we, you know, Hollywood makes a few more of those catches, like we move a few third downs, like those were could have been key to continuing or finishing drives, and the guys just weren't able to execute. It's just a very, very weird, just a very weird game as a whole. But definitely agree with Lamar's assessment about it feeling like Tennessee because as a fan, it definitely felt very similar of just, 
the game was like sort of competitive and then some things just just went out of hand Ravens didn't execute and then all of a sudden they're down by a lot and then when they're down by a lot then they start to come back but it's just not enough because you know that they're running away from the strength of this team which is running the football I I think that's a pretty apt description of how it felt watching the game I will say though I think the stats definitely back up that the Ravens seemingly shouldn't have abandoned the run Gus Bus, Mark Ingram, even J.K. Dobbins, although he only had one carry, you know, they were all finding success running on this defense, which, you know, we thought they would looking at how the Chargers had success on that the week before. I mean, even even the ghost of David Johnson had success uh, against them in week one, at least enough to make them uh, make some people think that he might be back. But I think it's interesting when we talk about this team and we talk about the concept of abandoning the run when you're going up against a team that that did score over 30 points and you're we're also not surprised that they scored over 30 points as good as the Ravens are at running the football you gotta wonder in today's NFL can they ever win a football game where they stick to that formula but it's a game where just the defense is going to get beat like they did last night maybe they can but I think something that Harbaugh and uh, Greg Roman are going to look at as the season goes on is um, how do you develop this passing attack to to be quick strike against elite talent when it needs to be? Yeah, I mean, the, the passing game, like we talked about, really did falter because of some key drops and some key misthrows, right? If Lamar puts a little bit more loft on the ball to Hollywood, that was a touchdown. Um, I think that would have tied the game at that point. That kind of stuff, the drops by Mark Andrews, I hope he's okay. We were talking in our channel that maybe he looked a little hurt. He kind of grabbed his uh, ankle. I hope he's all right and it's not one of these like long-term lingering injuries. It was things like that that I think hurt us. I mean, you saw a couple plays. There was, there was glimpses. Every time they got involved Duvernay, every time they went to Boykin, I felt like things were all right. It was actually just kind of the stars who normally put on a show for primetime just completely faltered. Yeah. You actually hit on something there when you're talking about the distinction between, okay, when you went to Boykin and and DuVernay and I guess uh, Boyle for his one touchdown, things went a lot better than when going to Hollywood and Mark Andrews. And I don't think that's a total coincidence. I think the Ravens offense is showing that when they're going to pass the ball, a vast majority of that production is going to flow through those two players. I mean, I think we were... We were bringing up this same conversation, I think, last year after the Chiefs game. We were like, what, what happens when the defense has taken those two guys out? Who's the guy that the Ravens are going are gonna to go to? Boykin looks like a guy who, who could. Duvernay, as we saw in the kickoff return, he's got speed. The Ravens have to find some ways to get these guys more targets so that uh, the defense doesn't key on Andrews and Brown and uh, make them unusable. I think it's about just taking what the defense gives you, right? If they take away Hollywood and Andrews, that should be a, a great success, right? You you say, okay, we're not going to let you have these guys. That has to come at a cost. If it didn't come at a cost, then they must be playing really well because those are good players that happen to usually make separation and make plays, right? So they're they're paying a cost of having those guys taken away, and then you say, fine, and you trust the other guys to do what They've actually kind of shown they can do, which is, is, is interesting to me um, that they would force the issue. 
And I don't know if that is a Lamar has to continue to improve in his progressions um, and not try to lean so heavily on these stars that he has and just say, hey, you know what? You want to take those guys away? No worries. Uh, Miles Boykin is about to pop and DuVernay is our, uh, you know, new rookie sensation. You know, I, I mean, I think it's one of those things they have to they just have to adapt. It felt like they weren't adapting to how the game was going. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point, Alec. I think that's something that's definitely going to come with Lamar's development. You know, it, we're still going to have to wait for it a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, it took some time for, you know, Flacco and, you know, whichever offensive coordinator he was running with, I guess Cam Cameron for the first couple of years. But it took them a while to develop a rapport to the point that Flacco could start to audible a little bit more and choose uh, some of the plays that uh, he would run at the line of scrimmage, depending on what the defense was giving you. And, you know, that's something that you really wish, you, I think, Lamar had a little bit more agency, I think, to do. And that, like, maybe if he saw that there was a play, he's like, you know, I'm not feeling this one. Like, you know, we've been running these sort of things, like, all game, and it just hasn't come. Like, I'm, I want to do a little bit more. And But for him to do that in a in a controlled way without getting a little bit flustered, right? Because I feel like that's one little bit of a common thread in some of these losses is that Lamar, like, there's sometimes that he can just get off and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't feel like himself. He feels a little bit down. You, you can kind of see it from the body language of the sideline of just, like, he's not... He's not feeling confident. He's not feeling great. And I don't mm-hmm. want to get into more games like that because obviously, you know, it, it highlights his weaknesses of he's trying to do too much. He's not focused. He's not, you know, he's not ready to make the big play uh, because his mind isn't right. And unfortunately, like, you know, I, I think a lot of that is just going to have to come with his own personal development as at the quarterback position. But, you know, on the same hand, I think Greg Roman could do some things to help with that, right? Get him in a little bit of a better position. And unfortunately, it didn't work out this game. But I'm sure that that's one of those things that they're looking at from this as a big takeaway of like, okay, what can we do to put our players in in more better positions if we have a similar game or a similar uh, type of timeline here? Yep. I was saying in a chat, I didn't like how Lamar was acting. Like, I like when he has uh, those um, like pixelated shades coming down on his head and he's just smirking on the sideline and having a good time. He looked kind of pissed off. He was ticked off. And I was like, ah, this is the worst Lamar, right? Like, that's when he tries too hard. Uh, we've seen it before. And I hate to say it about the guy, but it's like, man, okay, this is your Achilles heel is like apparently being behind. You're not used to it. You don't get like it. it it's not like you could put up, if you're in a neutral game script, put up 35 points. But if you're behind, you're going to put up 25. And that's going to cost you the game, right? Like, and it's, it's a weird thing where he, he seems to just stress too much. And I think if I were Greg Roman, what I would do is the thing that never goes bad with Lamar Jackson is his legs. Okay? The man in the read option plays, like, he's always electric. I, I think that is the way you give him confidence. That's the way you get him out of that funk. If they get behind, counterintuitively, run the damn ball. <laughs> <laughs> like he had a like, fantastic it, run in that first quarter. We're not a normal team. We have to like we've we we love it when it works. We love it when it works. We're always like, "Oh, look at us. We run the ball well like in this modern day NFL." But then when it's not working, we try to be another team, and we're not that team. Embrace who you are, establish the run. And like as a guy who loves analytics, it's just like that's not who you are. And you know the other team in the NFL like that? The Tennessee Titans. There's two teams right now who went behind, should continue to run the ball. They should continue with their game plan. And it's because they're so much better at it than most teams in the NFL 
that it works out for him. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying there. It is interesting, though. You've got, it, it just kind of feels like, you know, we, we would have this discussion a few years ago as well, just during the Flacco era. It's just like, at, at times, I shouldn't say at times, quite a bit, post-2014, you know, the team would really try and have Flacco have a, the ratio of the pass to run in favor of the pass. And, you know, it's like, it's like Flacco was never that arid out quarterback. Well, I shouldn't say never, but most games he wasn't going to be that. You needed the balance of the run and the pass there. And Lamar's the same way too, at least right now in his career. You don't, if you're having Lamar drop back there for 50, 60 attempts, that's not at the strength of what this team has when you have all these running backs as well. But I think that this is another learning exercise for the Ravens on offense. And it's only week three. A lot can change between now and when the season gets later on. Critically, a lot must change. I think this is what the fans are missing. If you squeak by a win, you're probably a little too happy about it. it this is good. It's one loss. Again, it's against somebody who are basically competing for the one spot for. I get this might cost his home field, but it's fine because of COVID, right? Like, honestly, like this is this is the best this is the best case scenario. Other than crushing them and absolutely like foot stopping them, which was my bold prediction, it didn't happen and didn't happen very quickly. <laughs> Other than that, this is honestly what I believe in my heart of heart, this is not me trying to be optimistic, is the best thing for this football team. This is the best thing. You either beat them with like such resounding success that you're like, we are a better team than them this year. And we will do it again in the playoffs, or you lose, and you're like, "We're not, we're not where we need to be." Yeah, I mean, certainly not. I mean, you know, we talked about it over the last two episodes, guys. I mean, of just how many things that the Ravens could get better at, and I think this game definitely highlighted some of those, and and even highlighted some more. So we talked about the offense a lot. I think probably because we expected the defense to not uh, have as dominant an effort as they would. Um, in the previous two games, just because, you know, you got Pat Mahomes back there who, when it's all said and done, is going to be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And you think we already know that this early in his career. Quick thing, Peter, I got to correct you because Patrick Mahomes' dad corrected the announcer during the game. It's not Pat Mahomes, it's Patrick <laughs> Mahomes. I, I was about to bring that up when he said it the first time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyway, sorry, were, sorry to break up your thought. All right, Could go ahead. Please uh, continue. Apologies to Patrick Mahomes' parents, Mr. Patrick yeah. Mahomes' parents, who are, would be very shocked if they're listening to this podcast. But either way, just in case it makes it to their ways somehow on the interwebs. Yeah, I think this the defense they had an aggressive strategy. Kansas City took away Lamar's passing lanes with the cover two. Ravens went the opposite. Did a lot of man to man, a lot of blitz. It was aggressive. Maybe too aggressive, or maybe just poor execution on a very well-schemed game plan. I'm not sure, but regardless, either way, uh, it didn't work because the Chiefs had no issue, with the exception of some times in the third quarter uh, and moving the ball up and down the field. Yeah, it was scary. Uh, Huge hats off to Mahomes and to Andy Reid for just completely shredding the defense. I mean, it's it's actually kind of amazing when you look at some of these plays that they scored on of, of just like how creative they are. Of that like little shovel pass to Anthony Sherman to get that touchdown was like completely unexpected. Completely fooled our, our defense. Everyone thought that it was going to go to Tyree Kill. Three people flowed that way and he just like shovels it to his fullback and like nobody recognized that. There were plays like that, man, that were just like, you got to give hats off to those guys because 
really, really inventive play design. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it really, you know, the, that whole game plan, man, really exposed some of some of the things that we took for granted of like we were just pumping up Marcus Peters last week for gambling on that one interception, make like, oh, he was in great position. He made the perfect read. And then this game, Peters like could not get anything going. Like he would try to make a couple of those reads and he got burned on him like several times. And, you know, it got to the point, like I it was at the end of my first quarter notes and I was like, Peters is having a really bad game today. He's just like, he's not making the right decisions because maybe he's just underestimating how good Mahomes could be at throwing this football. But, you know, um, it was it was kind of crazy, you know, just to see that of just like whoa, uh, you know, some of these things that we thought were a positive thing with just the Chiefs just completely exploited. Yeah, I think it's an interesting problem because with better teams, you run that risk. We saw Peters go for the interception. He, you know, in in subsequence because he got out of position, gave up, uh, you know, almost twenty yards of yak to Tyreek Hill, and it's like. You did that against Tyree Kill, man. He's very fast. Like, <laughs> I feel like you need to have a better chance of getting the interception than you did to do that. So it was when, yeah, like you were saying, like the gambles were just not quite right. And I think the other issue you, you found with the defense was the Ravens are known for uh, scheming blitz and generating pass rush by deception. Uh, the problem is when you do that kind of thing, you're really hoping that they get deceived. And, uh, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes does not get deceived, it seems. <laughs> so so then <laughs> it's a, just a problem, right? Like, unless you just get the pressure, he tears you apart. It, it, it seemed like there was nothing we threw at him that, that actually frazzled him, and they would have the perfect play call. And I hope that they have more plays up their sleeve because, man, it looked like they were using every play up their sleeve <laughs> against us. It really looked like they were bringing out the kitchen sink, or they're just that good. And, uh, I mean, they could be that good. Yeah, and I'm glad you bring up uh, that they brought out all those plays in that game. The one takeaway from last night that makes me feel okay about the defense was that the the Chiefs had to multiple times dig that deep into the playbook in order to to get some of those plays. And generally, those plays worked when they did them. You mentioned uh, the shovel pass to the fullback. There was also that uh, touchdown pass to the left tackle. Uh, there's another play in the game where the running back took the direct snap. Mahomes came out from being out left wide, and I forget who he hit on that play, um, but it was just another successful play. There's other plays we could go into where just the Chiefs used uh, an unorthodox methods to get some yards on this defense. Did they need to do that? I don't know. I don't know if that was a either they anticipated they would need to do that or just the Ravens had a, a bad night. It could be either one. But, you know, it's not like they just ran the ball at the middle all night and <laughs> just steamrolled the defense that way. The Chiefs had to get very creative. And, you know, if you're going to lose that way, at least it wasn't because they took it easy on you. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I, I think it was definitely designed by the Chiefs and that they were bringing out unorthodox plays to take advantage of the inexperience on the Ravens defense. Uh, that one play that I mentioned about uh, the shovel pass to Sherman, it was a complete uh, whiff by Queen. Queen thought he the ball was going to go to Hill, and it didn't. And he got out of position. It was on the other side of a lineman, and uh, Sherman went in untouched. There were a lot of plays like that where 
you know, if it was Queen out of position, it could have been Elliot out of position. It may have Peters out of position. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, and that's why you saw near the end of the game as well. I know uh, Queen was actually taken out. And so he was no longer in and some of the snaps were starting to be shared by Harrison. And even Chris Bort was in on a couple of snaps as well. So, yeah, I'm, I definitely think it was by design. I, I kind of agree with you, Peter, in that, like, you know, if we do play the Chiefs again, I think some of these guys will have a little bit more game experience. I'd still be a little bit worried, though, especially if we play them this year, because, you know, I mean, you only have so much game time. It's not like these guys are having years and years of experience playing against the best to, to learn this stuff. But um, I, I would certainly feel a little bit better, you know, if we play them at the end of the season. That you know, it, it wouldn't be as bad of an outcome. I would hope that they would, you know, now that they have film on these and they've seen some of these crazy plays, they would, you know, n- know to expect some of them. But you bring up a good point though about not being able to run up the middle. That was probably one of the few highlights I think from this game is that I, I think you know Clay's Campbell and company like those guys are doing a pretty good job uh, protecting the interior. You know, I mean, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire had a, a pretty good game overall. Um, a fairly decent game rushing as well, but there were a lot of uh, plays, particularly in the third quarter, where uh, the D-line was, was shutting down uh, the short runs. Now, nobody could defend the passes, so you know the drives kept continuing, unfortunately, but you know for the few plays in there, I, I thought they did a pretty decent job. Yeah, I do think the defensive line actually played a, a better game than people might think. Um, Brandon Williams had a very underrated game. I felt uh, Derek Wolf. Uh, made his presence. I thought he had the the largest presence that he had had over the first three weeks of the season. Campbell uh, had that that tip of the Mahomes pass early, which was just an extremely athletic play. It's incredible. Someone just whenever Campbell makes an athletic play, it's just a marvel. Just seeing that guy, just a freak athlete, do something like that. But yeah, I think the secondary. Obviously, we talked about Peters, um, Humphrey, and Clark played okay. I felt. But yeah, I think the linebackers, like you said, Chris, the inexperience of that group and just the inability of guys like Judon and, and Bowser to to complete a sack. The linebacking core is really what killed the defense in that game. I think if you even get just average performance of, from them, uh, maybe that's able to stop a score or two over the course of the game. But I mean, they, they drew a tough, a tough card. I mean, you got Patrick Queen. It's your third game as a pro. You're going into Monday Night Football, and oh, hey, look, there's all pro Travis Kelsey on the other side of the, the line, and that's that's your assignment all night. I mean, it's not, I, as some people, I've, I've heard some, you know, chatter of some Ravens fans want to write off Queen after uh, Monday Night's game. I think that's very premature, uh, given the assignment that he had. Sure, we would have loved to see him do better, but that's one of the toughest assignments he's going to have all his rookie season. Yeah, so while Queen had a bad day, got benched and he's probably learning a lot right now as we speak i think it's important to really focus on the fact like you just mentioned peter that our pass rush is not finishing this is something we've seen for many games now they're not finishing sacks and actually pro football focuses grades are suggesting that none of the ravens pass rushers are performing at any better than a replacement level they're not even at starter level right now according to their analytics that's not good (laughs) Who cares about everything else? That needs to change. We have people that we know are good. Judon, we know is good. Clayus Campbell, we've seen it. Tyus Bowser, he seems like he's coming on. But it seems like they need to do better. It certainly seemed that way last night. Yeah, it was certainly frustrating. 
Judon couldn't get anything going. Probably one of my biggest disappointments from that night. And, you know, and there were plenty of blitzes too where he would come crash in the middle of the line and we didn't have contain and Mahomes would just run away and either complete a pass or run for 15 yards. <laughs> it's just one of those things like, man, you don't, you just don't expect that from Mahomes. Like Lamar, yes, you're going to expect that several times a game because he's just so fast. But Mahomes isn't that fast in the open field. But there was just nobody around him. Uh, you know, seeing that sort of stuff is just extremely frustrating as a fan, you know, as a, as a defense too. I mean, I would be frustrated. I'm like, what are you going to do? Abandon your guy and let Mahomes throw it 50 yards for a touchdown? Like, you can't do that. <laughs> it's just not possible. But yeah, it's something, something's definitely not gelling. We would definitely like to see more production out of those guys. But I do think it's a good point you brought up, Alec. Just, at least from my eye test, like, I feel like Bowser has actually been more effective strangely than he has in in years past i know it's taken a really long time for him to develop as a pass rusher i I never really felt last year that he was that particularly good i mean i think we all thought that ferguson was going to get more playing time this year which he actually hasn't we probably could talk about that in another episode but on some of the pressure events that he had on monday night I thought he he did a pretty good job of of mixing up some pass rush moves and and making some good plays on the the tackles that he had. He just wasn't fast enough to be able to finish, uh, which is unfortunate. But you know, just from like the speed from the edge and the moves to be able to get around guys, like I feel it, he he's getting close. But you know, like you said, just not finishing, and that's you know, unfortunately, that's that's what we really needed for this game against Mahomes. Yeah, he's definitely getting better. And we're, we've seen this before, right? Um, he's a fourth-year planner. Now, granted, not um, quite the same story as Darius Smith, but that's basically what it took for him to really turn it on. The third year, not that bad, but then the fourth year was the one where he really showed his worth. You know, The defensive line, I think, is notorious for being the longest one, uh, maybe other than quarterback, as far as getting your bearing and, and really showing who you are in the NFL. After our discussion on... Offense, defense, what went well? What are the many things that the Ravens can look forward to fixing? You know, we're, we're not as polished on these type of episodes because, you know, we started the podcast and all of a sudden Ravens were, were dominant, you know, after a couple years of being good to, to pretty good. So we're, we're working on this. We're working on this and hopefully we don't need to polish it up too much going forward because the Ravens will go back to just kicking everyone's ass. But one segment we did have last September and then never had to bring it back again was, you know, make it a little lighthearted. Uh, we're all upset about the loss, but just, you know, give out some moral victory awards to players because uh, there's no MVPs in a loss, really. So I was just going to give my moral victory award this week to, uh, to Sam Cook. Usually he doesn't get much, much work because the Ravens are out there doing their thing and... I thought he punted more than he did. He actually punted the same amount as he did against Cleveland. But, you know, it, his punts matter more in a, in a game where the Ravens are coming back. So I just want to congrats uh, Sam Cook on a game where uh, he had more to do than he usually does every week. People were complaining that it almost got blocked once or twice. And I'm like, have you watched punts before? I think you're just overly sensitive. It, like, almost gets blocked every time. Uh, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. That's probably why. That's probably why we lost. Cook would have gotten you know 15 extra yards on the punt if he hadn't almost gotten blocked. <laughs> Throw that in there with the with the fake tripping call. You know the ra- the ref screwed the Ravens. <laughs> yeah, I mean that tripping call was bad. 
I, I do like that. Like, yeah. <laughs> her oh, like, no, I no. will give you COVID. <laughs> it was a it was a one hundred percent bogus call, but it was not why the Ravens lost. <laughs> no, no, but it might be why that rep now has COVID. <laughs> well, I'd say uh, for Sam, uh, I, I don't wish him to have more puns. Unfortunately, like I wish, you know, I still wish he's a Raven and that he's on the team. But I hope that he doesn't go out on the field that <laughs> much moving forward. Professional holder. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, that's a good one. Actually, I, I'm going to keep up the the moral victory awards here with special teams. And uh, part of this, I think, is probably from the fan reaction that had been prior to the game. I'm going to give my moral victory award here to Justin Tucker. Uh, your GOAT status was never in doubt, dude. Harrison Butker, not the GOAT. Not the GOAT, man. You missed an extra point and missed a field goal on the same night when you guys were saying that Butker was better than Tucker. That's just not true. All right, Tucker's still the GOAT. So, Tucker, you can take that moral victory home with you. Not that you need it. I mean, you've already got all the Rofo commercials. They're great. <laughs> can, can we just briefly discuss how there's been quite a few uh, next greatest kickers in the NFL during Tucker's tenure that quickly quickly fade away? It's just... It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fade away? Uh, I mean, they're still good, but... Yeah, they're not the goat, right? Like they're not, they're not actually competing. So I'll keep it in the same vein. We're gonna go with special teams again. Dever Duvernay, hey man, <laughs> the one major highlight on the Ravens side was your immaculate run down the sideline to score a touchdown. Right when the Ravens needed you, it's too bad you weren't able to have a deafening applaud. But uh, we were pretty hyped from home. I can tell you that much. And. Yeah, you had a good game overall a couple times. Lamar Jackson said that the, the secret's out, that you're a little weapon. Uh, he was trying to keep you under wraps, but uh, we never really doubted it. We were excited to see you get involved, and it sounds like Harbs is uh, going to try to find more ways to get you the ball because everyone was impressed with you. So while the Ravens as a whole did not have a great game, I think you can go home proud. And with that, that's our recap of the most disappointing game of the season so far. Hopefully the Ravens can take advantage of a fairly easy three-week schedule here coming up with uh, Washington, Cincinnati, and Philadelphia. And there will be more good things to talk about in the weeks ahead. As always, you can follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And we hope you guys continue listening to us as the season progresses. It'll be more fun ahead. See you soon.